0: Time for the Word. Father, I pray that you speak to us mightily by the power of your Word and Spirit. Open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Today I pray that you'd give me the tongue of the learned that I might speak a word in due season to him who is weary. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Two scriptures I want to give to you today. The first is Romans chapter 12 verse 11. And it says, never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor Serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Second is Psalm chapter 84, verse 10. Right? Yeah. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, the psalmist says. It's a prayer. Better is one day in your courts. He's talking about the temple courts. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And then he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Hmm. I think this second scripture is one that we misunderstand a lot. Hmm. We sang that song there at the end of worship. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. And I think... When we think of the courts of the Lord, we think about the experience of his presence. Those of us who have been Christians for a long period of time, and especially those of us who are charismatic Christians who value the experiential manifest presence of the Lord. And if you're a charismatic Christian, you value that. And if you're not, you may not even know what I'm talking about. That's okay. Just just When we sing that song, Better is One Day in Your Courts, we're thinking about, well, There's a number of things we could be thinking about. If you're super charismatic, you're thinking about the experiential manifest presence of God. If you're just super Christian, you're thinking about being at church. Hmm. Church. Better is one day up in the church. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, the psalmist is, is, is talking about something deeper than that. It's not that he's not talking about those things. I almost said he's not talking about that. Jeremy and I had a great conversation this week how I tend to say it's not this, it's that when it's actually this plus that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's that and something else. Yeah. And it's like, like I said, it's not affection. Agape is not affection, it's covenant. Well, no, it's affection and covenant. covenant it's not yeah. non-affectionate. Yeah. He's not just talking about the experience of the presence. He's not just talking about being in the court. He's speaking as a priest. Huh, yeah. And when he says better is one day in your court, he's talking about his role, his job, serving in the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Not just being at church, serving in the house of the Lord. Yeah. He's saying, he's literally standing yeah. at his post, right. serving God, yeah. and saying, this is better. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far better than anything out there. And then he follows it up by making it explicit. I would rather be a doorkeeper, a greeter, an usher. I would rather stand at the information table in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I I, I don't think we understand the gravity of what he's saying here. He's literally saying... That if you understood how good this place is here, how awesome it is to do a menial task in the house of the Lord, you would envy me. He's literally saying to the world, "Y'all should envy me. I got the best job in the world. I would rather be an usher, a greeter, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than spend a for one day. Then spend a thousand days." At the Ritz-Carlton Hotel on Waikiki Beach (laughs) in the Presidential Suite, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord for one day than to spend a thousand days as the lead singer of BTS. I'd rather spend one day yeah. as a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord yeah. than to get a thousand days as the creator and president over a multi billion dollar hedge fund. Wow. Than to be a CEO of the biggest tech company in the world. Than to be the richest person in the world. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if that doesn't suit your fancy, just to be well off. Literally, he's saying there is nothing out there that compares to one day of serving the Lord. One day is better than a thousand out there. there. And then he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than a dweller. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Translation, I'd rather be exerting myself in service to God up in here than to be laid out relaxing out there somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd rather be exerting myself here than relaxing out there. That's what he's saying. Yeah. It's better to exert yourself in the... He's literally saying, yeah. another place the Psalms says, let everything that has breath praise, praise the Lord. The Lord yeah. Literally, he's saying if there's, perp- there's purpose to your breath, use it for the right purpose. If there's breath in your nostrils, you got a praise up in you. Yeah. That's right. We exert our strength in the wrong direction. Mm. Wow. And when he steps into the service of the Lord, he says, I found the purpose for my strength. Wow. That's it. I found my strength's yeah. true purpose. Amen. Now, it's interesting that he uses the word doorkeeper. Because in our, in our context, being a doorkeeper like a greeter, that's not like a high-ranking position of authority. That's not like the most highly respected leaders in the church, right? I mean, imagine walking, dang, the doorkeeper. Oh, snap. <laughs> He's standing at the door. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> ma'am, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Wow, doorkeeper. But in Israel, that was a highly respected position. Huh. Wow. The doorkeeper, the, they were like, the, the door. The doorkeeper. He's a doorkeeper? Dang, he got to be a doorkeeper. <laughs> Did you hear about, you hear about John? John got a new job. Oh, yeah, what's his new job? He's a doorkeeper. <laughs> a doorkeeper where? At the temple. Oh, snap. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. He's a doorkeeper, and here's what's crazy. Like, why was that such a, a, a high-ranking position? Huh. It's not particularly hard when your job is this. That's, it. That's literally the job of a doorkeeper. So why was it such a high-ranking position? I'll tell you why. Because everybody wanted to do it. Huh. You understand how economy, the economy works, right? Yeah. Supply and demand. Yeah. When there's zero demand but a huge supply, that thing has no value. Yeah. When nobody wants to do it, and there's 20 positions, and nobody wants to do it, zero value. Yeah. But if there's only one slot, and thousands of people want to do it, that thing has high value. That was being a doorkeeper in Israel. It wasn't that it was a hard job. It was everybody wanted to serve in the house of the Lord. Everybody wanted to. Everybody was signing up. There was a waiting list as long as my leg. Everybody wanted up in that joint. And when you got chosen for that place, Uh, it was such a privilege. hmm. It was such a privilege. There was a, a doorkeeper in Israel who was actually the most famous mm. doorkeeper mm. in Israel's history. Yeah. I want to talk to you about him today. Okay. He was actually not only the most famous, but he was the oddest hmm. choice for a doorkeeper hmm. in Israel. He actually shouldn't have been a doorkeeper. He actually didn't qualify to be a doorkeeper because hmm. he wasn't even a Jew, he wasn't even a Hebrew. He should have never became a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. But there were circumstances that opened the door. And, and the Bible talks about this guy. But before I get to him, i got to tell you what led up to him. Okay. <laughs> so there was this place called Shiloh. Yeah. That's where Samuel grew up. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And there was this priest named Eli. And Eli in 1 Samuel, you see, Samuel's born and. Eli raises him, and he grows up, and then God starts speaking to Samuel, and the first thing God tells the little boy Samuel is, I'm going to kill Eli. Eli was the high priest at the time. And it's because his sons were wicked. I mean, imagine the pastor's sons are running around getting the women in the church pregnant and robbing folks. That's what was happening. Eli's like the pastor, and his sons are running around raping women in the church and then stealing people's money and calling it tithes and offerings. And God was just so fed up, he said, you know what, I'm going to end all of this. I'm going to put a stop to this. And then you get to 1 Samuel 4, and there's a battle, and the Philistines are whooping Israel, and so Eli's sons, they run into the tabernacle, that's like their church, it was a big tent, it was built by Moses, and there was this box in the middle of that tabernacle in the holiest of holies, the center part of that tabernacle, called the Ark of the Covenant, it represented the very presence of God to the people. It represented the presence of God, but it was also the focal point of the service of the priests. So you had to care for the presence. You had to serve the presence. There There was very strict guidelines for how to serve the presence of God. There was a lot that had to be done, and we don't have time to get into all that. But these two sons of Eli, they run into the Holy of Holies, they grab the ark, and they run it out to the battlefield thinking, we haven't been obeying him. We haven't been serving him. We haven't been doing anything he says. But when we need a blessing, all of a sudden we're going to start calling upon him. Yeah. We don't want anything else that he has to say. We don't want any of the commandments. We just want favor, blessing. Yeah. I mean, they were losing the battle, and the rest of the Israelites, I mean, they came out with the Ark of the Covenant going, favor, fave, and, and the Israelites... <laughs> And the Israelites, they saw the ark coming, and they thought, we're about to win up in here. And they started shouting, and they shouted so loud that the earth shook. And the Philistines got scared. And you know what God did? God just said, "Mm mm-mm, that's not how it works. And the Philistines whooped them up one side of the battlefield, down the other, stole the Ark of the Covenant. They captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they thought that they had kidnapped Israel's God. (laughs) How many know you can't kidnap God? (laughs) but the Philistines thought they had because when they looked at their idols their images they are like that's our God right there so when they looked at the Ark of the Covenant they said that's Israel's God right there and God God said no no that thing is not their God that's where I dwell that's not who I am Yeah, yeah yeah So they took the ark into the temple of their god Dagon and set the Ark of the Covenant down to next to their God Dagon. They went to sleep, woke up the next morning, Dagon's laying on his face before the Ark of God. Yeah. We don't know how that happened. They just like set Dagon back up, they went to sleep the next day, came back. Not only is Dagon laying face down before the Ark of God, but his arms are broken off. So God just skipped that out of my sight, <laughs> you know? And then God started like smiting the people of the city with like hemorrhoids and, and tumors and warts and all kinds of growths and their women couldn't have babies. So they were like, let's get this thing out of here before it kills us. They sent it to the next city. And the next, thing, what is this? We just kidnapped Israel's God. They're like, yay. And then God, they did through the whole thing and it, it, it went through this. It went from city to city to city. Finally, they were like, we gotta get this thing back to Israel. So they put it on a cart and they sent it back to Beth Shemesh. Here's the problem in Israel at the time. Eli, the pastor, is dead. Yeah. His sons are dead. There's no order. There's no leadership. Huh. There's no government. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. So the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the the very presence of God, which the Philistines were careful to handle, even though, even though it was idolatrous, they were careful with it. When they sent it back to Israel, Israel was not careful with it at all. The men of Beth came, saw it coming. They were like, I wonder what's up in that thing. So they ripped the lid off of it. Yeah. And then the, the plague broke out among them, it said. Coronavirus broke out, killed all of them. <laughs> so now they're scared. Because all these people got hurt in the church. Because they didn't know how to treat the presence of God rightly. Wow. Mercy. So they're like, we got to get rid of this thing before it kills everybody. And so they found this dude named Abinadab, who was actually a, a Levite priest, probably. And he had a son named Eliezer. And so Abinadab, he found the book. He read the book. This is how you care for the presence of God. So they brought the Ark of the Covenant to the house of Abinadab. And Abinadab consecrated his son Eliezer. And for 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant remained in one person's house. For 20 years, they forgot all about the Ark. And during that 20 years, Samuel grew up, had his whole ministry, and then David becomes king. And now that David is king, David was the guy, after he takes Jerusalem, he's like, we got to go get the ark. we got to bring it to Jerusalem. Yeah. It can't be in the house of Abinadab anymore. So David, he, has, he does this whole plan, and he, he creates this big parade. We're going to bring the ark. We're going to party like it's 1999. But David was not careful. Wow. Right, right. And so they just, he's like, what do we do with the ark? I don't know. So they put it on a cart being pulled by oxen, and the oxen are pulling it, and the, the ox stumbles, and the ark's about to fall over, and this dude Uzzah reaches out his hand and touches it, and he drops dead. Yeah. And David said, that's it. That thing is not coming to Jerusalem. It's too dangerous. Yeah. God is too dangerous. Huh. I don't want it anymore. Wow. Which one of y'all want it? And everybody said, I don't want it. David says, not coming to my house. Which one of y'all will take it? And everybody says, I'm not taking that thing. Somebody call up Abinadab. We're taking it back to his house. Abinadab says, mm. I did 20 years. It's, I'm done. He's wow. not coming back to my house. He talks to his nobles. Which one of y'all will take it? No, I'm not taking that thing. The army. Any of y'all will take it? Nobody will take it. Wow. But right over there, there was a house. And this guy who lived in the house, his name was Obed Edom. And 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11 says he was a Gittite. Huh. You know what that means? He was a Philistine. Huh. Didn't it just come from the Philistines? Yeah. Weren't the Philistines the ones that thought they had captured it? It seems like God don't like the Philistines. When it went to the Philistines, God just started killing everybody. Yeah. But this one Philistine, his name is actually Obed-Edom, Edom was a kingdom to the south of Judah, yeah. where Jerusalem is. Yeah. To the south of Judah, there's this kingdom called Edom. Edom, the word means red. Remember, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Yeah. And Esau came out red. His nickname was Edom. Oh. He lived in the hill country of Seir. And his, all of his clan, you know what they became? They became the Edomites. Yeah. And the nation of Edom, they were the children of Esau. So, Jacob, his nickname was Israel. Esau, his nickname was Edom. And they became two nations side by side. The nation of Israel, which is Jacob, and the nation of Edom, which is Esau. Obed-Edom. Do you know what Obed means? It means servant. Servant of Edom, who's actually living in Israel, but he's a Philistine. This dude is royally confused. He's an Edomite-born Philistine. Huh. Maybe his mama was Edomite and his daddy was Philistine. Who knows? Yeah. But whatever, he did not. He was named servant of Edom, and at a certain point, he said, "I don't want to serve Edom anymore." And he runs from Edom. Okay. Something on in the, the inside of him said, I, "I'm not supposed to serve Edom with my life. This don't feel right." Yeah. Do you know what <laughs> the service of Edom actually represents? You remember, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place today, but just stick with me. I'm, I'm going to tie it all together. I promise, I'm going to tie it all together. Jacob and Esau. Jacob, remember how he stole the birthright from Esau? Yeah. He said uh, he waited for Esau to go hunting. And then he made some red stew, some Edom stew. Huh. And then Esau came and said, give me some of that red. Give me some of that Edom. And Jacob said, Give me some of that birthright. And Edom said, You ain't getting my birthright. Give me some of that stew. And Jacob said, You ain't getting my stew. Give me some of that birthright. And then Esau said, Well, if I die, what good is my birthright? All right, I renounced my birthright. You could have it. Now give me the stew. And then he ate the stew, and, and then he hated himself. What the heck did I just do? I just sold my birthright, my inheritance, for a bowl of red soup. That is, whatever you lay down your life for, you serve. Mm. He was the servant of Edom. He was serving red. He was willing to die. We we have this thing in in our house where uh, when you say love, well, at least I taught Alethea this when she was a little girl. Now she reminds me that when you say you love something, it means you're willing to die for it. So when she says, I love ice cream, I say, are you willing to die for it? She said, okay, I like ice cream. (laughs) But Esau was actually willing to die for that bowl of red soup. He was actually willing to lay down his life for that. Do you know what it means to be the servant of Edom? It means to be the servant of yourself. The servant of your own desires. The servant of your own vision for your life. The servant of your own way. The servant of your own understanding. And Obed Edom at a certain point fled from that. Something doesn't feel right about that. I'm not fulfilled serving Edom. I want to be a servant of something more than Edom. I want to serve something bigger than my own desires, than my own vision, than my own passion, than my own dreams. I want to serve a cause that's bigger than that. And so he... Please, Edom. And he's living in Judah. And now the ark is passing by. He says, all right, I'll do it. Nobody will take it. Edom's like, Obed, Edom, I'll take it. Do I have anybody but this Philistine? But this foreigner? And finally David was like, you know what? You can have it. We don't want it. David was literally, literally, do you know what the ark represented? When we think about the ark, we think about the presence. The ark didn't represent the presence. It represented the service. Mm, They weren't weren't saying we don't want the presence. They were saying we don't want the service. The ark was a responsibility that nobody wanted. What set Obed-Edom apart was that he was willing to take responsibility yeah. for the presence. Wow. I don't know what to do with it, but I'll learn. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I don't know how to keep it, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. Obed-Edom okay. stepped up at a place where nobody in Israel wanted the service of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Wow. There was an Obed-Edom. When all of Israel dropped out of the ministry at the same moment, there was an Obed-Edom. When all of Israel laid down their their swords and said, no more, there was an Obed-Edom. And the ark went to his house for three months. And guess what happened to Obed-Edom during that three months? He was blessed. Everything about him was blessed. He woke up in the morning, he's like, Huh, where's that pain in my right foot? Yeah. Wow. What the heck? I haven't ran in about 25 years. And his wife woke up and he's like, Whoa, baby, did you lose some weight? (laughs) (laughs) He came and his kids were reading. Y'all ain't watching TV? No, we don't want that nonsense anymore. (laughs) Went out to the field. His crops were just growing like crazy. Whoa. When did we plant corn? (laughs) His business, he kept getting reports. His businesses were going wild. He went to market. People were offering more for his produce. I mean, literally everything about the man's life was blessed his son started marrying the most beautiful women he had ever seen and started having the most beautiful babies, well, all in a three-month period. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up as I go (laughs) along. I don't know what it looked like, but it said the man was blessed and that everything, every component of his life was blessed. It literally says everything he had was blessed. Yeah. And he was so blessed that the report went to David. I mean, literally, you got to imagine that David's officials didn't want anything to do with the ark anymore. Yeah. So the man had to be super blessed because the report got back to David and said, in the last three months, that dude, Obed-Edom, everything about him is blessed. And so David's like, we got to try one more time. we got to do this right. Right. So he called all the Levites together, all the priests. And he said, we're going to do this, but this time we're going to do it right." right. And he reassigned them to their ministry positions. He gave them roles. He gave them responsibilities. He said, this time we're not just running back into the presence. This time we're going to serve the presence. This time we're not simply going to be spectators of the presence. This time we're going to serve the presence. And we're going to serve the presence as the presence demands to be served. We're going to worship God as he demands to be worshipped. You hear people say, just worship in your own way. No! (laughs) No! Just worship God however you see fit. No, (laughs) worship how He sees fit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. And they show up at Obed-Edom's. I bet Obed-Edom was pretty disappointed. (laughs) He looks outside, sees a multitude of people. What's going on out here? We came to get the ark. Uh. (laughs) Come back three months from now. (laughs) You know what I mean? He must have been disappointed. Like, y'all gonna take y'all gonna take my ministry? And they take the ark, and they they parade it up to Jerusalem, and David is so happy that he's dancing so hard his his kilt is coming up. Nobody's tripping, though, because everybody's dancing that hard. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant up to the hill. They put it in a tent, and there's all these priests that are now assigned to serve. And guess who shows up at the top of that hill? (laughs) Obed-Edom. And his sons. They're like, what are you doing here? He said, where that thing goes, that's where I go. Yeah. But you're a Gittite. Well, that didn't matter three months ago. Yeah. When y'all needed somebody to watch the thing, you didn't care that I was a Gittite. I'm yeah. like, well, no, you don't get to be here. So now no, you're going to find a place for me. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find something for me to do here. Yeah. They're like, well, what do you want to do? He goes, I don't care what I do. I'll do anything. You just keep me near that thing. You just give me a chance to be close to that thing. Just give me a place to serve God. I just want a place to serve. And he signs up on every ministry list he can possibly find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you get to 1 Chronicles chapter 15, Obed-Edom is doing everything. First, You think I'm, I'm lying. First Chronicles 15, 21, he played the harp on the worship team. I don't think he's never said anything about him playing the harp before. Yeah. It's like, I'll learn an instrument. Yeah. Y'all need a harpist? Give me that thing. <laughs> First, First Chronicles 15.21, he was a harpist on the worship team. First Chronicles 15.24, he was a doorkeeper of the ark. Wow. So watch this. During the service, he jumps on the ark, the harp. And then as soon as worship's over, he runs to the door. <laughs> <laughs> 1 Chronicles 16.38 said he was a gatekeeper of the city of Jerusalem. Wow. Meaning, he's like, there's nothing more to do here. Well, what's the next closest thing I could do? They're like, you can watch the gate. He runs out after service and stands at the gate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you, when you get to 2 Chronicles, I think it's 24.25 or 25.24, it says, looking back, that he oversaw the treasury. He was the treasurer. Wow. He signed up for every ministry list he could <laughs> find. Put me on the rotation. Yeah. Well, how many Sundays can you say? All of them! We also have an auxiliary li, auxiliary list if we have some, you know, if we have a cancellation. Put me on that list. You got a cancellation? Call me. Yeah. How are you gonna do that when you play in the ark? I'll hit a symbol and then play the ark. I don't care. What do you need? I'm there. Yeah. That was the heart of Obed Edom. Yeah. Why? Obed-Edom realized after serving the Lord for three months that that was the best three months of my entire life that it's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord for one day than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Hmm. There's something that contemporary Christianity has lost. We don't understand the Obed-Edom mentality. Do you know what our mentality is? I'll help out. I'm not serving the Lord. I'm helping out. What do you need to help out? I'll help out here. I'll help out. You need to move some chairs. I'll help. I'm helping out this particular leader. I'm not serving the Lord. Obed-Edom wasn't helping out. He was serving the Lord. What if we all had that as the mentality? I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm not here to help out. I'm here to serve the Lord. Lord. There's something that we miss. Yeah. Mm. Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal. I hear a lot, I just want to be zealous for the Lord. I want to be on fire for Christ. You want to be on fire for the Lord? I want to really know his presence. You want to really know his presence? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. How? Serving the Lord. Not the church, the Lord. Yeah. Not yeah. the pastor, the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not this leader or that leader, the Lord. Yeah. Not helping out, it's about a mindset. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're here to help out, you'll be disillusioned by that. Because yeah. shoot, I helped set up chairs for six years. Yeah. Got nothing from it. Never felt God's presence. They weren't even nice to me. Right. Nobody even shook my hand. Nobody even thanked me. And see how I could carry four chairs in each arm. <laughs> Nobody cared. Nobody appreciated me. Yeah. But I'm serving the Lord. It's a different mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm serving the Lord. What if we woke up with that mindset, God, I'm, I'm coming to serve you. Amen. I'm coming to serve you. I'm coming to serve you with my strength. I've got strength. I've got to use it to serve you. What if we came in and we were blind to everything else? How can I serve the Lord? Yeah. As we come back together, we've regathered, we've come back into this house, we've gathered, gathered in his name, but you know what God's looking for now? He's looking for the Obed-Edoms who ain't scared of the plague, who are willing to take the mantle when everyone else is running from it. who recognize that being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, something that in the eyes of men and women might be the most insignificant role I could play. Wow. Yeah. But in the eyes of one whose heart and mind are set on the service of the Lord, yeah. it's the most powerful thing I could do. Amen. And this has such powerful practical applications for the body of Christ. And you know what? Can I be honest with you? I hate practical applications. <laughs> because to me, it's like when God gives me a word and there's revelation in it. Last night, I was just, ooh, all up in this. I was all up in Obed-Edom. Yeah. I was just, mm, I was, ooh, I was finding all these scriptures. Dang, look, he was there. man. I was just rejoicing in this whole thing. And when it came to thinking about how to apply this message, my heart just shuts down around that. Because to take something that the Lord is showing you, some deep revelation, and then encapsulate it in three steps just feels so empty to me. But you know what's even emptier? What's even emptier is hearing a deep revelation and going, oh, wow, amen, and doing nothing with it, and then it has no effect on your life. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that moment was for you was a good amen yeah. Yeah. because you didn't act on it. Wow. And for most Christians in the body of Christ, this is church. Ooh, that was a good word, and it has no fruit in your life. Why? Because there's something that you're missing, some essential component of your growth in Christ that you are neglecting, that you simply refused. And that is the service of the Lord, because all you want to do is come and give nothing. Or you might think, oh, I gave my tithe. Isn't that enough? It's not about you not giving enough. It's about you not getting enough wow. because there's a degree of intimacy with God. There's a degree of growth in the spirit. Yeah. There is a degree of fullness. There's a degree of zeal that you never tap into until you start yeah. to serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think arguably nobody in this house receives more than me. except my wife. (laughs) Nobody gets challenged more than me, but nobody receives more than me in terms of, like, if you could see what God speaks to me when I'm getting the word to preach to you, and when I give it to you, I'm trying my best to give it all to you, but the best I can do is maybe 15%. You know why? Because the one who serves always receives more than the one who gives. This is why Jesus, I am mean, the wow. one who receives. This is why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah. The one who gives always receives exponentially more than those who simply receive. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. So that when we challenge you to serve, the first thing that comes to your mind is, here it comes. <laughs> what ministry is needing some volunteers? <laughs> So he had to spiritualize it and turn it into a whole sermon. And then he gets to the end of the sermon. It's like we need more child care workers. (laughs) It was either that or an offering. Mercy. Powerful revelation. Give me your money, (laughs) says the Lord. Volunteer. Sign up on this list, says the Lord. That's not what it's all about. The two are related, aren't they? Yeah. Because the Lord told me when we first started the church, remember we first started the church back in 2004, and I had this multi-billion dollar vision. (laughs) We're supposed to be in Ikea by now. (laughs) By now we're supposed to be sending out like 10 church plants a month. Whatever. I remember I prayed, I said, Lord, you've given me the vision you've given me. It's going to take multiple millions of dollars, but you ain't giving me no money. How come you never sent any money? You know what the Lord said? He said, because then you would never teach the people to give. And the church would be blessed, but the people would not. And I never intended to bless my house and not my people. If we had probably... Five to ten x the money we have in the bank right now. You know what I'd do? I'd just hire people for everything. I'd be hiring people. I'd be hiring people for. I mean, I I would hire. I would hire everybody. I would hire the whole church. (laughs) I'd hire people just to come sit in the pews, (laughs) just to come on time, please. I'll pay you. Come to shift. And nobody would be serving from just, yeah. just wow. a heart of service. Wow. Well, yeah. We'd have just a hireling culture. Wow. Jesus. It's not wrong to be paid, don't get me wrong. Because if so, I'd be in the poorhouse. <laughs> I <I'd> get paid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not why I do it. Yeah, that's right. Because if so, I would have left a long time ago. I've been offered more, yeah. but that's not what—that's not what I live for. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I—we di- we decided when we first got married. That's not—we are not going to be Obed Edoms. We're going to be Obed Ark. I'm not going to live as servant of Edom. I'm going to live as servant of the presence. I'm not going to be serving my own agenda, my own life. I am Obed Ark. What God is looking, listen, on that day when Obed Edom said, bring it here, I'll take it, he finally found what he had been looking for. He was not living to serve Edom. Now he's living to serve the Ark. I am the servant of the Ark and I'm going to serve the presence of God with all of my heart. Where he leads me, that's where I go. Where he sets me, that's where I'll serve. I'm going to give my heart to serving the Lord wherever he's that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My little brother over there. That's an Obed Ark right there. That's right. That's right. For real. Yeah. And there's a lot of them in this house, don't get me wrong. I mean, I know it sounds like my, that's my own brother, but yeah, that's his heart. You know, every time he leads up here, you know what he had to do? He had to drive here, he had to drive three and a half hours from Fresno. With his wife and his two kids, wow. camp out at mom and dad's house for the weekend. Just so that he, the only reason, literally, the only reason he's here right now is because Chen Wei said, We ain't got nobody for worship this weekend. Wow. Yeah. And he said, I'll be there. Yeah. Do you realize he's on every, every weekend this month? Wow. Every single weekend this month. Everyone, he's driving back today wow. and driving back next Saturday to do worship next Sunday, driving home. At, you know why? Because wherever the ark is, that's where I'll be. Where does God want me? That's where I am. Yeah. What needs to happen? How far do I need to drive? Yeah. Yeah. Some folks won't drive from Oakland. <laughs> it's too far. You know how much gas is? <laughs> <laughs> too tired. <laughs> uh, Jesus. All right, that's enough. God's calling us. Yeah. He's looking for the Obed-Edoms to rise up. Yeah, so man. a link is going into the chat. Click that link. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, really, there's, there's, there's two ways that we can respond very practically to this message. Yeah. I, you, know, you know what I really dream of doing if there wouldn't be, like, anarchy? I would require every member of this church to do two things. One, to serve a ministry. Yeah. And two to go on a mission trip once every five years. I would require, and if you didn't do it, I would throw you out the church. I would, (laughs) you could come, but you're not a member. I would just dissolve your membership. Why? Because I'm doing you a disservice by letting you just sit up in the house and do nothing. Literally just let you sit there in the house and do nothing means you're not gonna grow in your walk with Christ. Because you simply want to be a taker and not a giver. Mercy. Should I do it? No. No. (laughs) We're not there yet. Instead, I'm just going to admonish you. I'm not going to force you. I'm just going to admonish you. Be an oberitum. Just say yes to God. And so we have two opportunities right now. The first is just sign up to serve. Serve something. Yeah. What well, doesn't fit my passions? Screw your passions. Who cares about your passions? <laughs> that's not my gift. Who cares about your gifts? Isn't it about. This is not Amateur Night at the Apollo. <laughs> this isn't America's Got Talent. Yeah. That's not what this is. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Star Search. <laughs> you remember that? It's about service. The difference between service and ministry is service is not gift-oriented, it's need-oriented. Because yeah. I'm not gifted to wash dishes, but they still got to get washed at my house. That's what it means to live in the house. I don't think anybody in the house particularly has a passion or a gift for dishwashing. Yeah. But it's got to get done. Yeah. 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 All right, and then number two, here's a missional initiative. We're raising money, For a school in El Cerrito, and I think one or two schools in San Francisco, two schools in San Francisco. We are going to make an impact on our community, both in El Cerrito and in San Francisco. And we're going to make statements in both of these cities to the school system that we care about your children. That we are the people of God and we are here for you. And so put your money into that. And serve something. Amen. 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 Come on up here and play something. Bow your heads. So good. Lord Jesus, mm. I've lived too long as Obed Edom. Now I want to be Obed Ark. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I felt so empty serving my own way. Yeah. Going my own direction, mm. living for my own desires, my own passions, my own wants. All my life I've been looking for something to serve, something worth serving. But Lord, I've discovered that there's no one and nothing that's worth serving more than you. And that when I step into your service, I discover my life's purpose. That there's a level of meaning there that I can't find in anything else. And so Lord, I can truly say after 17 years of serving you in this place, yeah. I can truly say, after 25 years of being a proclaimer of your word, mm. that better is one day mm. in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Yeah. Amen. That I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God yeah. than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen. So Father, I just pray that you would inspire your people today. And encourage your people today to rise up and to say, I'll take the ark. Uh I'll take it. I'll serve the presence. But Father, we get messed up when we're serving, but not serving the ark. Mm -hmm. We get messed up when we're serving the wrong thing. I pray for each and every one of us who serves would give us the mindset of one who serves the ark one who serves the presence yeah. may the church once more be yeah. a royal priesthood Amen. and may we be as the priests of Israel were yeah. that the essence of what it means to be a priest is servants yeah. service I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would cause us never to be lacking in zeal, but to keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I speak blessing and encouragement over each and every one of your sons and daughters today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.